What's happening, everybody? This is Sean from Roots Podcast. We have a part two with Marcus Hawkins on. Um, we wanted to keep the flow going while it was going. Um, great organic conversation from part one. Um, definitely have a lot more nuggets and information to give you in part two, which is why we wanted to continue this going on. Marcus, appreciate you continuing on with us so we can get some more knowledge out of you to get it to our viewers or athletes. Again, whoever's listening to this podcast. Absolutely, man. Well, let's get it going. <laughs> let's, let's get it going. <laughs> um, so one thing I really wanted to talk to you about is, you know, can you speak to us the, of the value of an interdisciplinary staff, you know, working with a dietitian or a strength coach or athletic training, working with coaches in general, um, maybe we'll start on that front first. Like, what's the value of working just with interdisciplinary staff first? How does that help you? How does that help them? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, helping them. Uh, I think just having people at your disposal constantly around, right? And seeing us interact in a healthy manner, seeing us communicate for their greater good, I think goes a long way again for that psychological safety of the athlete, right? Seeing seeing a mental coach speaking with a, a nutrition coach or seeing a nutrition coach speaking with a strength and conditioning coach, all in concerns to them, right? And, and, and for their well-being and, and their enhancement of their performance. I think it, it provides a lot of psychological safety for them and a lot of confidence that we are working for you 24 seven, right? Not just when we're in front of you, right? But behind the scenes as well, we're collaborating and trying to figure out how we can bring the best service to you. I think for me, having a you know an interdisciplinary staff, I think it's it's huge. I'm 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 learning one that allows me to just solely do my job, yep. <laughs> right? Like I don't have to be the strength coach. I don't have to pretend to be an expert with nutrition. I don't have to pretend to be an expert with with character development or any of those other sort of things. Like I solely get to just focus on being an expert from the neck up that frees up so much mental space and energy for me um, because I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not, right? Like I can just as easily refer them out or send them right down the hall, or send them across the way and have them be taken care of. It's, it's everything for me. And, I, and I've had, you know, a couple of division three strength coaches on here as well. And, you know, they, they speak about, you know, how they wish they had those types of staff, right? And they, they have to carry a lot of those, essentially jobs or titles, even though it's, it's not theirs. Like, I don't have anyone to talk about nutrition. I don't, I don't know a hundred percent of everything this are supposed to be doing, but like, I got a few resources and here's a couple tips, but like, I'm not able to give the best that I can in there. Or, you know, I don't, you know, mental conditioning, I don't have anybody to give that either. So it's like, you know, they would say like, I'm the mental coach, I'm the strength coach, I'm the nutrition coach. Like I'm the, let's deal with this issue because you're having this problem. Like, they're like, they have the, uh, essentially wear a lot of those hats is that when they don't want to, but when the athletes are coming to you and you're there to serve them and help them, right. You don't want to hundred percent push them away because if you push them away in their, their key moments or needs, then that could be a lost relationship or a lost trust, or uh, they don't really want to deal with me when I'm in this really stressed or fragile state. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, that's again, right. Like it puts us in such a binding situation. Right. Like, I, I don't know the first thing about nutrition. Right. Like, I, I'll be honest, I don't. What I know is from what I've learned from you. Right. And so me pretending to wear that hat, it's, you know, it's an insult to your profession and what it is that you truly do. 
right? Like I'm selling it short, you know? And uh, I mean, I feel the same way about people pretending to do what it is that I do, right? It's, it's, you know, lack of resources puts us in a situation where we're going to step up and do the best things that we can in order to protect and, 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 you know, help and support our athletes. But, you know, it's, it, for me, at least it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say this, like having the, the last three years of experience at, you know, the previous position I was at and having, you know, the amount of mental conditioning coaches that we had, or each team essentially had one to two mental conditioning coaches, right? Like, you, you begin to know the value right away and how it helps like me and nutrition directly, right? Whether it's disordered eating, whether it's they're having a certain mindset or a certain, certain thought process, which is affecting me to do my job, right? Because everything starts here. So if everything isn't running efficiently up here or their thought process is off or they think a certain way about something, that then all ties back into mental. So, I mean, I, I'm sure you could speak on that, but you and I have had, plenty of conversations about plenty of athletes with stuff that I'm like, I don't, I don't really know how to tackle this, or I don't think I can really do my job until you speak to him or her because they have some stuff going on that they need to get through. And I don't think they're really going to listen to anything that I have to say until they can, I don't want to say clean it up or fix it, but until they can get some clarity behind some of those thought processes to make them then confident to want to take steps in those other areas, whether it's me, rehab strength whatever the situation and in person is i mean it's it's like i i say you know if you lead the mind the body is going to follow right you, but you got to lead the mind first it doesn't say lead the body and the mind to catch up later right if you lead the mind the body will follow and so it's it's again getting them to understand that the mind body soul are all interconnected right and it's it's you know it's you can't really get one without the other Right. You have to tell yourself to take that weight off of the bar. You have to tell yourself to keep your elbows locked. You have to tell, right? Like it starts upstairs first. Right. And so just having that, that being able to have that that resource down the hall, or you know, in some cases, you know, right in the same office, right? It, it's again, it just takes up so much weight from our shoulders because it allows us to wear the hat that, you know, truly, I guess, best fits us. And I would say a lot of other professionals appreciate that when you have worked with those other staff members too, right? Like in my situation right now with, you know, shout out to Dr. Joy. She's awesome. Based out of here, Atlanta, um, works with us on our team. But, you know, when I first came on and was like, Hey, I have experience working with conditioning staff. Here's some stuff that I'm seeing with certain guys. Here's some things I want to bring to your attention. Right. You know, she's just like, whoa like the fact that you're like that attentive to this you know to bring this to me you know this is important you know that i can support you and you support me you know like professionals and practitioners appreciate those things because they don't always get that type of collaborative approach because because many people just and it may not be their fault they just don't know how to work with certain other professionals which is a big reason behind this podcast is getting people to understand all those different professionals that help to ultimately serve the athlete right like if you look at the podcast and and the visual that i have up there right like there's the roots of all those different people all those people have to collaborate and work together to essentially build and give that 360 degree approach to help that one individual or that team or multiple teams or whoever it is it can't be just done in in a silo by yourself 
And I mean, you know, it's, it's, you don't really have to worry about stepping on other people's toes when you're walking side by side. Mm-hmm. Like when you see each other as, as equals and you see each other as parallel, you don't have to worry about who does what first and who gets the credit for it. We're not interested in that, right? Like at the end of the day, the roots, they know its job and it's the whole, it's the anchor of that tree, right? And as well as, you know, serving other purposes, but right? like it's anchoring that tree. At the end of the day, that's exactly how I see us and, you know, the other support staff or athletes. It's our job to be that anchor when everything else around them is going, going chaotic and it's going haywire and this person is pulling at them and this person is asking for this. And how do you anchor yourself? And I think that's really where we come into play most, right? It allows us to be the best. It allows us to continue to provide them with the resources to be the best versions of themselves even when they're not exactly sure what that might look like. Yep. And it's going to take time. <laughs> they're not going <laughs> to. Don't we know it? Don't we know it? I mean, like, like I said, I think in our last podcast, you know, right. You could be six years old and still really not know who you are and what your value is, or you could figure out your value when you're 20 years old. Like there's really no, I mean, everyone thinks there has to be these timetables on stuff where they got to figure stuff out immediately, but everybody's going to be at different levels when it comes to figuring out, different parts of their life and who they are and what they do and what their purpose is. Like there's no one forcing you, but you know, a lot of times we have that self self pressure on ourselves that maybe no one's really putting the pressure on it, but our, our intentions and our goals wants us to get here. So it's like, if I don't put my pressure on to do it, then I'm not going to get there. You know, I mean, it, I think it's, it's okay to have a sense of urgency, right. But like, where's the rush? I think there's a, a huge difference between moving with, you know, efficient urgency and rushing mm-hmm. right like who says 30 is old right like who says 40 is old who says 50 60 like look at social media you see people in their 60 60s like squat on 405 right so it's like <laughs> it's like you could pull these it's just like well that's bullshit like yeah. you're not you're not old you're shoot and i don't even call it old. i call you you're more wise you have wisdom or my word is you're seasoned there it is you've made a lot of mistakes and now you know more and you've, you've done better and fixed those to improve and made them better. You're, if you're, if you're old and you just like, right. If you, if you say stuff, if you tell yourself you're old, if you tell yourself you can't lift anymore, if you tell yourself you can't do this anymore, then that's then going to be your mindset and you can't, won't do it. That's who you're going to be. And you know, I mean, we all know the quote, right? The man that says he can and the man that says he can't, they're both right. Right? Like we place so many limits on ourselves that truthfully don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's enough people around us that are going to tell us what we can and cannot do and what we are and are not capable of. We don't need to help them out in that sense. Right. Like we belief triggers the power to do. And if you feel that age is going to be the determining factor in your success, you're going to be struggling for a long time because one thing that is inevitable is time. Father time. He's undefeated. Right. And so if you're constantly racing a clock and you're constantly trying to, you know, outachieve by 30 and then overachieve by 40 and 50 and 60, you're, you're putting so much added unnecessary pressure. Life is hard enough. Yeah. Life is hard enough. Just wake up and do today well. And this is like the conversation I was having the conversation yesterday with, with Dr. Joy and we were talking about like social media. I mean, I'm sure you could talk about that. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother problem we could go into. Um, but with social media, like, you know, a lot of times people see something negative or about them and it brings them down and, you know, that causes more stress, more anxiety, more depression, right. Feeling bad about themselves that they're not good enough. Right. And, you know, her big thing is like, 
if you look at an arcade, like you look at Michael Jordan or you look at Tom Brady, right? Or they LeBron James. Or LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, some, yeah. but some of these cases, right? Like they weren't the most highly touted, like absolute best person from the jump. Yeah. Had to put a ton of work in to get there. And I'm, and I'm sure they had lots of negativity. You weren't going to, you're not going to be the best. You can't make it. You're not big enough, strong, whatever the situation is, right? Like it doesn't really matter what level you're at. You're going to constantly get criticism. So can you accept that that's going to happen and people are going to say that and just know that you're just going to have to do the best that you can and not worry about what other people are going to think or don't be, a, you know, you don't, you know, if people are comparing you, you don't have to be a Kevin Durant or you don't have to be LeBron James, like be the best you because you are never going to be them well i mean the reality is kevin durant and michael jordan already taken right like you <laughs> we won't see another kevin durant we won't see another michael jordan right mm. i'm the first marcus hawkins right and so i think if we put more energy into trying to define our styles and trying to you know make our moves a signature move right instead of trying to perfect someone else's i think we'd be better served you know i i you know, ultimately, I think it's all about you being confident in the product that you're producing, being confident in your sauce, your recipe, and mastering your recipe. When you think about your favorite foods, right? Like, Sean, what's your favorite food? Oh, it's going to be anything with Italian. Pizza, fresh like, Italian bread. <laughs> your favorite restaurant, right? Your favorite Italian restaurant. Oh, and I'm willing to bet. I'm about to right? say that's way too tough because there's too many. There's too, too many in New York. If you, if anyone out there is from New York, Long Island, New Jersey, when it's going to come to Italian food, pizza, sub sandwiches, everyone's going to argue about where their favorite spot is and what's. One hundred percent, right? But I want you to picture like your favorite dish from wherever your favorite place is. I'm willing to bet that you probably get it all the time. You get it consistently because it consistently tastes the same way. It hits yep. every single That's time. That's facts. Right? They've perfected their recipe. So you're going to keep going back and spending your money time and time and time again because they're consistent, right? For you, your performance is just the same way. You're cooking a meal, right? But you've got to master your recipe, right? Growing up, you know, your mom will call you into the kitchen. Hey, taste this. How does this taste? I need a little more salt. Calls your brother in, I need a little more pepper. Right. At the end of the day, it's only really one chef in the kitchen. Right. Because if you apply what mom says and you apply what your brother says, you apply what your dad says, what your sister says, when all of a sudden it's no longer your sauce. At the end of the day, as long as you're happy with how your sauce tastes, that's really truly all that matters. Perfect your recipe. And once you perfect that recipe, you can cook it in any kitchen, whether it's mine here, whether it's yours, whether it's at home, wherever the case might be. Once you perfect that recipe, you can cook it in any kitchen. And that's a hundred percent. Cause I could go to like, we have something in our town called chicken speedy subs, which no one really knows unless you've been to like the, the Broome County area or anyone listening from the 607, you know what I'm talking about. But every time, but every time I go, right. We have two spots. You have like speedy and rib pit and you got lupo speedies and, and I, okay. and I go to both. Right. But like every time I come home, I'm getting a I'm getting a speedy sub. For the most part, if Lupos is open, it's going to be Lupos. And every time it tastes good, I don't really care who anyone else says. I know that specific meal from that spot is going to taste delicious every single time, regardless when, where. But that's, like you said, a restaurant, right? We use that as an example. That's why restaurants are in business for 
50, 100, 150 years, generational, because they're able to keep what they do consistent at a high level across the board. And like I use loopholes, for example, right? They're not sexy or fancy. They're off the side of the road. They're in this little like hut building with some like tables next to it. They haven't, they haven't built a, they're, I don't think they're ever going to build a new building because they don't really care because guess what? People still come, the parking lot's filled yep. and it's probably never going to stop unless someone gets rid of it. Room, right? Like we all know that's where all the best food comes from, right? Like forget the fancy restaurants, forget it. We all know that the best food comes from those type of places, right? Like they're not wasting their, I don't want to say wasting, right? But like they're not spending their money or their resources on aesthetic. Because at their root, at their core, they know that their product is good. It sells itself. I don't need a huge fancy sign. I don't need these luxury seats. I don't need flat screens all in the lot. No, we don't need a gourmet kitchen. The kitchen we've been cooking this in has been just fine for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Our product is solid. This right here, it's word of mouth. Word of mouth. Right? People are going to know you eventually. Like if, if you just go to work and do your thing, people are going to know who you are without you having to do anything. Absolutely. You're not going to have to glow or push yourself out there because people are going to surround you, right, with content media and push you with our, you know, our day and age now is content media, right? Someone's going to take a video of you doing something. Someone's going to take a picture of you doing something. And without you have to even doing anything, now you got 100,000 followers and everyone knows who you are. Good food sells itself. Yeah. You know, I worked in a restaurant industry pretty much all through school. Uh, you know, shout out to the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, it definitely kept me fed, right? The Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, I worked in food pretty much my entire life. You know, and that's one thing that I've realized is good food sells itself, right? Like, I did very well as a server, right? And most people thought it was my ability to sell. But the reality is the food is selling itself. You're here because you're hungry, yeah. right? So it's not like I did anything magical to get you here. You're here because you already know more or less that you're hungry. For me, it's just about pointing out what it is that you want to eat. And that's exactly how I look at mental skills. You're coming to see me because you know you need something, which mm-hmm. is more of me just making it clear for you, deciding what it is that you want. Or just giving them a guide because they just don't know. They it don't is. know. It's like, di- I hate the word diet, right? If like for me, diets, you know, we are dietitians, and I'd rather be called a dietitian than a nutritionist. But, yeah. you know, when you look at that word diet, it's, it's a short-lived, acute thing, right? How, how successful has anyone really been on a diet? Right. You could ask anybody you work with, anybody you've been with. Hey, you've been on a diet before? Yeah. How long did it work? Oh, not very long. It wasn't sustainable. You couldn't do it for a long period of time. Okay. Then you probably don't want to go on a diet. You probably want to go on some type of plan that's going to essentially work based off of what you can handle and what you can do in that moment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> if it doesn't fit, like we talked about last podcast, if it doesn't fit in your schedule, it doesn't fit in your routine then ultimately it don't matter what you do, what food you eat, what you choose, nothing's really going to work. Yeah. So you got to start with what you're comfortable with. And I always tell athletes, like, I'm going to meet you halfway, right? Like if you're going to Chick-fil-A and you, and right now you get two Chick-fil-A sandwiches, you get a fry and you get a shake every single time that you go. Okay. What's one thing you're willing to part with? There it is. Okay. You're willing to go with mac and cheese instead of the fries? Cool. Or you're ready to go with a, a water instead of a shake? Cool. Right? I just made one adjustment to upgrade the quality of your meal. Right? And if you feel better or now, or now you feel like, oh, okay, well, how else can I make it even better if I want to have a, 
you know, a performance type meal or a highest quality meal that are good. Okay. Well, let's just do one piece at a time. Instead yeah. of me saying like, you can't eat it, don't do it and take it all away from you. Like that's the worst thing you want to do is, is take away something from an athlete completely. And then now they're like, oh, they're just the person that does that. They're not the person that's willing to work side, but like you said, side by side with me in that case. I think so often people um, undervalue the 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 potential that lies in in one percent, right? Just becoming one percent better every single day when we're making changes. It doesn't always have to be these great leaps and bounds. That's not how anything works. That's not that's not how anything has ever really been built. If you really, really pay attention and you go back and you look, everything has always been built one step at a time, 1% better. What's the difference between two, 211 degrees and 212 degrees? Boiling. Boiling water, dysentery, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> one degree, right? And so, you know, we don't look at it that way, right? 211, ah, that's close enough. It's just one degree. Well, one degree will kill you. Right. And so it's, it's about understanding the value of just being at 1% better, that 1% change. Right. And being able to highlight that and acknowledge that when, when, once you do it, right, being able to clap for yourself once you've made that 1% change. You know, I hear so many coaches and they're like, ah, I'm not going to clap for him. That's what he's supposed to do. I'm not going to clap for my players because that's what they're supposed to do. I'm not going to clap for you because you did something you were supposed to do. But I'm like, coach. Like, let's, let's keep it real. It's hard to do what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do everything that you're supposed to do every single time consistently. You got to encourage them in any moment that you can. I mean, we, we, I had another person on the podcast um, from Ashland University, which I'm, probably, I'm sure you're probably familiar with being from Ohio, right? Um, and they had a really, you know, famous coach there, Judd Logan, who was an Olympic thrower, um, you know, was, ran basically the track team there. And, you know, the guy who's there now is the head strength and conditioning coach, you know, with, with Judd being there, he's like, he was the same person regardless of the situation, right? If you threw a super far mark, he's going to be excited for you, right? If you're getting into the ring for the first time, he was clapping and being excited for you, right? Like he goes back to what you said. He was consistent no matter who it was, no matter how far you threw, no matter what, what it was. Yeah. And that's what helped him grow the trust and relationship with his athletes and which, which made that pro, I mean, they're a perennial track and field program, right? Like when I was at Pittsburgh state, like, Oh, yeah, Ashland yeah. university is coming down. Okay. Yeah, then yeah. they're going to be bringing some throwers that are probably guaranteed to be in the podium. Like for sure. Like no doubt. I mean, you know, it's, there's so much that is out of our control in our day-to-day lives, right? So much that takes place that we have really no control over. We have no say over. Right. And so there's a lot of inconsistencies in our day-to-day. So when you find that one coach, that one person, that one athlete that is the same way every single time, no matter if it's good, no matter if it's bad, that's what we coach as a mental coach, Mm -hmm. right? Not letting external circumstances dictate your performance. You should be able to play the same way in the rain as you would when it's 75 degrees and sunny. You should be able to play the same way on a Friday as you would on a Monday morning. Right. Conditions should not dictate your performance. It's that consistency piece. And that sounds like a great coach. If he's given that every single time, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, that's the epitome of consistency. Yeah. And, let, and let's talk about coaching, right? Like, how do you introduce, your, introduce yourself as a mental conditioning practitioner to a coach? Right. Because we've kind of got both ends of the spectrum, right? We have a lot of progressive coaches out there that, you know, have, have been in a lot of situations now where they have all these different disciplines, 
of, of people, you know, the nutrition, the strength, the mental conditioning, but, you know, you still have a lot of staff and a lot of people who had never had it and yeah. have like, you know, just, just be mentally tough or just be strong or don't be soft. Right. You know, these words that you still probably hear and still are probably said, like when you deal with, when you come across those coaches that are maybe pretty adverse to mental wellness or mental conditioning, like how do you approach that? I think that's a great question. Um, You know, for me, I think right off the bat, it's just about letting them know that, you know, I'm here to, as you said, walk side by side with you. I'm not here to walk out in front of you. But I'm also not here to walk behind you, right? Like it's it's our job to collaborate for the greater good of these athletes. You know, the way that I usually typically pitch it to them is, uh, you know, allow me to focus on coaching above the neck so you can focus on coaching below, right? Just I, 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 let me take care of it. I, I can do it. I'll take care of it for you, coach. You just go ahead and you just focus on coaching. And I think once, you know, you you kind of portray it to them in that sense and they they understand it from that 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 angle, they're, they're ecstatic. They're ecstatic. You know, I think it's just the, it's the stigma of mental health and it's the stigma of, of, of mental performance, right? Like they, they're not exactly sure what it looks like. They think that I'm here to do their job and to, and to walk over into their lane. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, I mean, a lot of coaches, even ourselves sometimes, like we, we deal with a lot of those situations and then sometimes push it off on the athletes, even though we don't want to, but it's what we know, or that, or I think you said a couple of times there as well is, you know, that's just what we learned as an athlete or what, or playing or what we learned from the coaches that we did. So that's kind of the only experience that we have to then provide and give back in the, in the best way that we know how. But I mean, I, you know, I think there's there's ownership on us as well, right? It kind of goes back to uh, back in part one, talking about the nature of how I do my job and how I conduct my sessions. Mm-hmm. I think the more that the team can see you out there, it's beneficial, but the more the coaches see you, the more the coaches see you at practice, the more the coaches hear about you being in the weight room, the more the coaches hear about you showing up for their players, right? You're, you're, you're almost that stopgap. Before the information even flows to them, you've already heard about it and you've already put a plan in place. I think for them, that just goes a long way for providing reassurance, right? Like I'm bought in. I'm not just a, I'm not a, I'm not an extension of the team. I'm a part of the team. I'm at every practice. I'm at every weight. I'm at every Saturday, every Sunday, every Monday. I'm here. I'm with the team. Yep. And the coach and the coaches appreciate that too, because it's like, let's say some win gets across and they hear about a certain situation, right? If, if you already like, yep, I met with them. Yep. I talked to them. Yep. We already have a plan going into that. Right. And like, that then gives them gives you more autonomy to do what you need to do on your end because they're like, hey, he, he's he's he or she is always ready. Like they seem to already have had these conversations and know what's going on, and they're on top of it. So like that's one less person that I have to worry about getting what they need to get done because they're they're showing me in a lot of different ways that are doing that. And that's and that's where we probably see too, like where a lot of you know college or pro coaches, you know, bring a lot of certain staff with them because they know how their environment functions. They know how they coach. They know what they want. Right. And there's, you know, there's two ends, there's two ends to that, right? Like it is super frustrating because you may have really good practitioners there that lose their job. Right. That could be just as good as a person coming in. But then the, the flip side of that, it's also very challenging. Like if you have a good rapport with a certain mental coach or a certain dietitian that, you know, you know exactly what they're going to bring to the table, you know, why am I going to start from square one with somebody I have no clue who it is, 
right? Where I can bring my person in that's going to do exactly what we need to get them done. And it's, and again, it's, it's hard on both points because sometimes that person as well, right? That they bring in, they just be really good friends and have good relationships. It doesn't mean they're the best or the highest at what they do in their, their field as well. So there's, there's some things that kind of go into that too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're creatures of habit, right? So what, what, what's been working for us, we want it to continue to work for us, whether it actually in reality does or does not, that's a different conversation. Right. But we, we want what we've always known to be true. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you keep doing what you've always done. You're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're happy with that result. Sometimes we aren't. So. Yeah. And, and to your point, like being out of practices like that's, I feel a lot of practitioners feel, you know, don't always get to do that. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause you have so many athletes that you're pulled in so many different ways and depending at the level you're at, depending what sports you're working with, right. You know, obviously like the basketballs, the footballs, you know, I see baseball a little bit more having more of their own kind of, let's say their own, just their team. Right. But you look at a lot of those smaller sports, the Olympic sports, right. You're spread so thin that I, I wish I could go out to practice right. and I wish I could be out there at all these things, but my time and, and the staffing that I have available to do it isn't allowing me. So I know from our experiences, like I spent three to four hours in the morning at practice. Yeah. Right. And athletes and coaches know if you're not at a practice, if they see you all the time, where are you at? Why aren't you out here? I had a question today when this happened and you weren't there. Like, like, what are you doing? And then it becomes, again, you're, you're part of that team and you're noticed when you're not there and it's yeah. apparent like quick. I think that's what we work for, right? That's what we strive to be, right? Because with us, we're always introduced almost as an extension of the team, right? And it's like, Hey, uh, Here's your, here's your mental coach if you want him, right? Like if the team wants him, if, if he's accepted. And from there, you're kind of in that, you're in that probationary period where you're just trying to earn the team's trust and you're trying to earn the coach's trust and you're, you're trying to understand the culture of the team and what the coach's message is and what kind of philosophy he's bringing and what, what he wants the personality of the team to be, right? And so from there, once you finally work yourself into the place of where it, Sean's not, Sean's not here. Where, where's Sean? Somebody find coach, right? Like once you yep. get yourself to the point where you're missed, that's when you know you're in there. Or right. or when people have to call you because they don't know what to do. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah. where do we order this meal from? Or like, how yeah. do we do this? Or <laughs> how, how did how did you do that? Like when you were here? Yeah. You know, like because they had so much trust and faith in you that they were totally hands off because they're like, Oh, he or she, they got that covered. And then yeah. when that person leaves and somebody comes in and let's say they're not at the same level, right. It's kind of like, Oh, what are, what, what do we have there that we now, now we don't have, and we're trying to figure out what, <laughs> what the, something's what missing. I don't know what it is. Something's <laughs> missing, right. But it's, you know, it's, it's once you begin carrying your own bucket of water that you value, right. Like you value each drop of it. Right. Like once you're gone, once that hole is there and, and you're missing is only when people start to understand just how much you affected and the ripple effects of what you have done affects the greater good of the team. In in the team, the coaches, support staff, you know, they always know when there's a, a good staff member that don't want to go that leaves and they're like, damn, this is about to be a rocky road. <laughs> or when you when you have when you got a person on the staff where you're like, 
uh whether they were here or not it was kind of whatever like yeah whoever comes in is going to either be equally the same or, or do a better job like people yeah. people could sniff that out pretty quick and that's you know that's for me that's my philosophy right i want to add value to whatever room i'm in and anytime i'm opening my mouth i want to be able to contribute something about you if not you're just more so speaking to hear yourself speak right and so like when you're in the room people need to feel that 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 value whether it's it's just a warm smile or it's you you know impacting someone's life right this leaves leaving things better than what you found them yep that's, and that's all you can that's all can be asked of you and that's all you can do at the end of the day what are you here for um so a couple final questions here um what's maybe one or two things you feel in the in the mental conditioning field needs to be better for your field to progress forward more so into athletics i think um you know one i i, I think it's it's just continuing to provide that education so that we can we can minimize the stigma minimize the stigma of what we do uh you know so often we get lumped in with motivational speakers or life coaches right in my field we we've gone and we've, we've standardized our field with the cmpc right the our global certification of the cmpc is what separates us from mental uh, from motivational speakers and from life coaches but I think just continuing to provide education and, and awareness and just to be honest with you, access, right? Like you don't know what you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you need, right? For me, again, I got into this just being who I needed when I was younger. I needed this and I didn't know where to find it. I didn't know that this is what I needed. So I think just going to provide an education and, and just knowledge of everything that it is that we can provide and that it might look a little different than what you expected to. And I think, and I think not only is it you guys, the athletes are pushing for more, more of that from their organizations that we need to have these, these individuals or this one person on staff, because, you know, all these stories that'll come out, like I was severely depressed through the whole season. I had no one to talk to. Like I go and play to the game and I go to practice and then I would like burrow myself up in my house until I had to go to the next practice and Nobody knew about this, but I dealt with it the whole entire season because I had no one to talk to about it. These athletes, you know, this generation, we, we, we give them a hard time about their social media and, you know, some of the things that they do. But one thing I will, one thing I will say about this generation, this is some of the, some of the most brave and outspoken uh, individuals that I've seen, right? Like this generation is very, very self-aware. Um, and they're, they're, they're thinking differently, right? Like they're thinking long-term and they're starting to understand that, hey, it's not the end of the world being able to have this conversation. In fact, I actually, let me seek this conversation. It'll do me good in the long-term. You know, so I think this generation is extremely self-aware, extremely self-aware. Well, they, they had the format to do it and they're not being, you know, to a certain extent, like back in the day, it was like suppressed or they yeah. weren't having support from people because, you know, it was a taboo subject to talk about. It's like, I don't give a crap. And there's going to be a group out there of somebody that's going to support me to help me in this, no matter what the situation is. That first step. Yep. Um, all right. So kind of the last thing I want to wrap up with is what is maybe one or two people within your field that you recommend like today, tomorrow that they should reach out to, to learn more about your field. Like, obviously you're going to be a great one. Like we're going to put, obviously everybody, we're going to put his bio and, his contact information in there. So if you want to contact him, have a conversation like this with him, I'm sure he def definitely for it. I mean, we've had plenty. 
But what's one one or two people in your field that you really look up to? You're like, if you reach out to them today, they're going to instantly help you. Right off the bat, the first name that comes to me is uh, Kerry Guest, right? Uh, KG, you know, he's a friend of both you and I, mutual friends. Uh, He's just, he's a phenomenal guy to know, right? Like I I was telling someone the other day, rarely when I get off the phone with him, do I not feel better, right? And it might not even be what I'm calling him about or what I'm calling him for, but it's just, he's very infectious, you know, and that's something that I, I can, I continue to strive to be more like him in that sense, right? Just the print that he leaves on the room, but also his, his passion for the field is bar none. It's bar none. And so he's, a, he's been a huge mentor for me throughout my career. And he's someone that I lean on any chance I get KG, Dr. Kerry guest, soon to be Dr. Kerry guest. Uh, and then uh, the second person I would probably say, um, Lindsay Hamilton, right? Like Lindsay, in, in my opinion, she, in a lot of ways, um, she's what the field is supposed to look like, right? From the energy that she brings um, to her workshops, to the activities, and, and just the warmth that she provides you as a person, right? Like she provides such, she provides such an amazing, comfortable space for you to come and, and, and pick her brain and to be imperfect. And I think that that's, that's something that's been lost um, as we continue to go throughout our day-to-day lives, right? Like there's not really any room for flaws. There's not any room for errors. There's not any room for you to be any le- anything less than perfect. And so when you encounter someone who's, who's had the success that she's had, that she still creates room and allows space for you to be imperfect and to still grow and learn, I think that's someone that, you know, the rest of the world can definitely benefit from learning from. So those would be my two people. And I couldn't say any better than that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the biggest memory I have with uh, with Lindsay, I mean, she is a go-go person. She's, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what level she's at, right? If, if if she's got if she's got five minutes, oh well, that's my dog, people. So if you hear that, that's life, right? Go, got go, a dog go, barking. Right? Nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. It happens. Riggs. But uh, all right. But um, yeah, Lindsay. I mean, in general, right? Like she's running all over the place. Um, she's super passionate. You know, she she has a high standard for herself, right? Like she doesn't want to be late to something. Like if she forgets something, she's running back up the stairs to go and get it. Like I don't think how it doesn't matter how old she is, what set level she's at, consistent, right? Carrie, same thing. KG, consistent, calm, collective, easy to talk to consistent coolest dude you know man he's the coolest yeah. guy you know yeah we, my nickname used to be his name was smooth, <laughs> smooth. very fitting very fitting he is the coolest guy that you 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 may or may not know um <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but marcus really appreciate all the time you spent with me today um again everybody his contact information his bio is going to be in the show notes my information as well Always love to have these conversations with anybody, regardless of the profession, practitioner, whoever they are. That's kind of what we want to bring to the table. That's what we want to bring to the field, break down silos and make sure everybody